Mystic Fix, a program for the whole being with Julia Gordon Bramer on News Talk STL. Welcome to Mystic Fix. I'm Julia Gordon Bramer. I'm an author, a poet, a scholar of mysticism, and a professional tarot card reader. And today is a pretty interesting day because we are going to explore the Kabbalah. And uh, it's a subject not a lot of people know about. People have heard that maybe Madonna did it or Britney Spears did it. Uh, some people wore uh, little red thread bracelets around their wrists, but nobody really knows what it is and what it encompasses. We are going to be talking about Kabbalah and especially Kabbalah and writing with author Sherry Mandel in the first part of Mystic Fix. In our second part, we're going to meet Freighter Tenebris and learn about the dark side a little bit. So hang tight. Uh, here we go. Welcome, Sherry Mandel. Uh, you are the author of the Kabbalah of Writing, and uh, and you're speaking to us all the way from Israel, which is so cool. Thanks for working out the time difference. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> you bet. So I first learned a little bit about Kabbalah. I mean, does anybody become an expert on Kabbalah? I, I almost wonder, you know, because I've been studying it for maybe about a decade or so. Uh, I found it through, I'm a scholar of the poet Sylvia Plath and her husband, Ted Hughes. And Ted Hughes used to write that he studied Kabbalah. And I have found a lot of evidence of it in Plath's work. But when I speak of it to anybody, they go fuzzy, you know, and, and most people don't even know what Kabbalah is. I try to explain it like it's kind of the blueprint for how the universe works but maybe you have a better definition to get us started. <laughs> well, first of all, I deal mostly with the spheroid. And the spheroid, I think, are, you're correct, that it's like a blueprint of the world. But it's a blueprint. It's like um, God's design program. So it's how God sends energy to the world. But it also describes our inner psyche and personality and soul. But Kabbalah itself, Kabbalah means to receive in Hebrew, like Kabel. And it's actually the tradition that is a commentary on the Torah, and more specifically, usually about the creation of the world. Right. So it's a mystical commentary that accompanies the Torah. Right. Ancient Jewish mysticism originally. And of course, yeah. uh, and, and that is spelled with a K. And then of course, yeah. the Christians kind of took their knockoff brand of it, spelling it with a C. And then in later times, the Hermeticists have their version of Kabbalah spelled with a Q. So, um, you know, I, I am kind of fascinated. I, I always say truth is truth is truth across all sorts of religions and but we have a tendency to want to make it our own brand right <laughs> right well, let's talk about your book the kabbalah of writing um how does one incorporate principles of kabbalah into the written work well you know as we said the sirot are like the divine architecture of the world so when i learned about the sirot i understood that you could use them to analyze 
any active creativity. And so the sphere out, they start with will. And a lot of writing is, is actually will. It's will to sit down and express yourself and dedicate yourself really to a practice. But then comes, there are spheres that are expansive, like kindness, which is a kind of generosity. And then there are spheres that are more constrictive, like um, gvura, which is limits and discipline. And they merge to create something called harmony. So, and, and it goes on from there, that there, there are other spheres like endurance and surrender. If I can, if I can interrupt you for a second, and first of all, you pronounce it different than I learned it, but you're probably doing it in the correct original Jewish term, but, but I learned it as sephiro, right? The S-E-P-H-I-R-O-T-H, right? It yeah, is, but it's, and, it's actually Hebrew. Hebrew. Okay, yes. And, and, but so people who don't know what that is, these are our stations on the Kabbalah tree of life, correct? They're they're like the the grounding points in between yeah. the paths. Yeah, they're they're like in the tree of life, or sometimes it's pictured as a body. Mm -hmm. it, they're all yeah, kind of stopping points. But the word sphira in Hebrew is actually very interesting because in Hebrew words have three letter roots. So the root of this word is also the word for book. And it's also the word for sapphire, for a gem. Oh. So in a way, you know, in Jewish mysticism, there's an idea that the world is God's book. And we're kind of pages or letters in that book. I so love that. It all connects to, to that word sphira. And it's also the root of also mispar. Mispar is number. So it's also relates to numbers and just sort of counting and counting yourself. Yeah. Gosh, I, I should probably have you on to just talk about Hebrew because I'm fascinated with the dimensions of, of a single letter in Hebrew and, and everything it in, it contains. It's pretty incredible. Uh, that, that's a magic language all by itself. Um, so how would it, how would an artist, you know, how would a writer saying, well, I want to use these principles of, of Kabbalah, how would they do that? Does your book explain? How to use it? I, I, it's more using writing. I, I give writing exercises based on the sphere out. Uh -huh. So each sphere out offers a kind of abundance of exercises based on the principle. But also, I, I say how the sphero, they're not separate. Like, we look at them as, as separate, but actually, they all come combined together. Because, like, the act of writing, the first part of the process is kind of letting go, which is kindness, which is allowing yourself to just express that inner voice. But after you've done that, most often, then you're going to go back and revise. Revision has to do with Gavura, with um, limiting. But they, they're, they're intertwined because you can't limit yourself without first having that kindness to yourself. 
let yourself mm. like be generous with your expression. And then, like, for example, one of the spirits is really authority, malchut. And like in that, in that sphere, I give exercises, some different exercises, but one is about like, what do you have authority in? And with my students, I've been teaching a long time. And once I asked them this, and a lot of them had a really hard time talking about writing about something they had authority about. But I said, well, I'm an authority in keeping a messy room. And <laughs> then once I, once I opened that up, like then one was an authority or an expert in procrastination or in being lazy or, you know, and some of them were authorities like in paper cutting or in science. And so it's a matter of har kind of harvesting what what's in your inner life and using the sphero to inspire you. Ah, okay. Okay, very cool. You talk about a divine spark, a concept of a divine spark. Can you can you elaborate on what that is and how we can nurture that? Yeah. Okay, so a divine spark. I don't even know. I don't remember what I said, but in terms of writing, creativity, you know, it's it doesn't just come from us, right? It comes from above. This idea because I know even when I was a kid, when I would write it was a voice that wasn't the voice I spoke. It was a voice that had more wisdom than I had and also more authority. And I think that's the divine spark and that God puts his light into all of us. And it, it depends how we express it. You know, a lot of us can express it by the deeds we do in the world. I think when we write, when we, because there's writing, and then there's writing what you know, but then there's discovering what you don't know. And then there's some sort of revelation when you work with that to try to understand what it is you're really trying to say. And I think that that revelation comes with God's, I don't know, permission or God's assistance, because that's true creativity. When you're saying something, at least to yourself, that you haven't thought or said before. Sure. Yeah. I think we, we write until we understand ourselves maybe, or, or an, or an idea. Um, I, I know so many people who consider writing a form of channeling as I do. Uh, do you consider automatic writing in, in that same vein? Well, I think automatic writing is the, is like the first draft, but for most of us, our first draft is is often more for ourselves. I always say save the first draft because that has the energy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you're trying to communicate something to an audience, then eventually you have to figure out what your theme is. Unless you're a genius, you know, and then like whatever comes, comes. But for most of us, we're, we're not geniuses. So we have to then try to focus in from that, you know, automatic writing or the first draft and see what it is we're really trying to say. And I think when you, when you try to understand what your point is or what your theme is or what's being repeated over and over, then you come to some sort of insight because I think that's what we're reading for and writing for is to find those moments of insight, which are also like Epiphany, which epiphany, the root of the word in Latin, as far as I understand, is the appearance of 
So maybe that's what you were referring to with the spark of God. Okay, yeah. Um, Sherry, how long have you been a student of Kabbalah? Um, since, you know, I didn't grow up religious and I didn't study anything having to do with Torah or Kabbalah till I moved to Israel. So, but right away, once I started studying Judaism and Torah, I had a teacher who talked about Kabbalah and talked about the Sphero. And once I heard about the Sphero, I was just really fascinated by them. Sure. Right. Yeah. But I'm not, it's, it's more that I use the framework of the Kabbalah. Because mm -hmm. I'm not like an expert in Kabbalah. Right. Yeah. When I first found, you know, just diagrams of the tree of life, I've got one on my wall, uh, but I don't want to take it down. It'll take too much time. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, it, it, it mirrors all of the, what a lot of people would call pseudosciences, you know, but, but there's astrology in there and there's numerology in there and there's, uh, I've even seen mythology. And of course, uh, I'm a professional tarot card reader and the tarot cards have been assigned to each station on the tree of life and in uh, each path. And yeah, and and this, this as you were saying about the oneness and every, every station is imperative to becoming a, a whole self-actualized person, right? You could even look at it as sort of a, a Maslow's, uh, theory of uh, actualization or whatever he called it there, <laughs> um, uh, that God self being at the top of it. And um, yeah, it, it's a very beautiful concept. What would you like your readers to take away from the Kabbalah of writing or Kabbalah or however you want to pronounce it? <laughs> yeah. I think that readers could take away, first of all, to be inspired to write and to create a writing practice for themselves because they can just go through that book. It will probably take a year to do all the exercises uh -huh. and to find a way to, to write so that writing becomes an act of, you know, in Hebrew, we call it tikkun, but you're probably familiar with that term of healing. It's thick of repair. And I think if you go through all the sphero and work, all the exercises in the book that it cre can create a kind of tikkun, a kind of repair for the self and maybe even for the world. Well, Sherry, it has been a pleasure. Um, is there a good way to reach you if somebody wanted to look you up? Yeah, on Facebook or on Instagram. I'm Sherry Mandel 10. And, you know, the book, The Couple of Writing, it's available on Amazon or you, maybe in your local bookstore. Fantastic. Also, I want to say I have copies of the Tree of Life. So if anybody wants to send me a message, I can send them a copy of the Tree of Life with zero written out. Oh, very nice. Thank you. One of your copies of your book will be given away by Inner Tradition. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, thank you for your time. It was really wonderful. Oh, yeah, I love speaking with you. Thank you. And that was Sherry Mandel, author of The Kabbalah of Writing. Stay tuned for part two of Mystic Fix, where we will meet Freighter Tenebris and learn about dark paganism. This is Mystic Fix with Julia Gordon Bramer on News Talk STL. Welcome back to Mystic Fix. 
We just heard from author Sherry Mandel about the Kabbalah of writing. And now we're going to meet Freder Tenebris and learn a little bit about dark paganism. So if you've ever embraced your goth side, uh, this might be for you, uh, exploring the shadow self, not necessarily being evil. Let's take a listen. Well, welcome to Mystic Fix Freighter Tenebris. And, you know, I, I um, brushed up on my Latin a little bit for you there. Uh, freighter meaning brother, like fraternity, right? And, uh, and, and tenebris means dark. That's right. And and I was I was interested in that. I mean, of course, it, it's the perfect complement to your book, which is the philosophy of dark paganism, wisdom and magic to cultivate the self. Uh, let's start there because I think when people hear of of darkness, you know, we talk about being in the light, and we think of darkness as evil, but that's not really the case, right? No, you're right. It is a common thought. And that gets back to the primal fears that we have. Uh, you know, our ancestors, the darkness was a dangerous time. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to go very far back before the lighting of the cities where traveling at night was dangerous. Uh, so we kind of inherited this uh, fear of the darkness of the term or the term became a metaphor for mm-hmm. our fears. But in this context, dark represents the interior, the inside point of view. Um, Plato had a famous allegory of the cave. And we could use the cave in the same way here. The outside of the cave uh, is light during the daytime. The inside of the cave, though, is dark. And this represents two approaches to spirituality. The light side is a focus on the external for the, resource, for the source of meaning, while the dark is a metaphor for the seeking the self, going inside, turning to the divine self okay. in search of meaning. And that's so interesting, getting back to Plato's allegory, because, of course, the people in the cave were watching the shadows on the mm-hmm. wall. And, and you talk about shadow work in your book. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. OK, that's a, a cool, uh, a cool way to look at it. I, I love that allegory. I, I talk to my clients about it all the time. Um, how, how would you, Freighter, how would you define dark paganism? Well, the way I define it uh, is that it's a life-affirming, positive spirituality that focuses on honoring the divine self and cultivating the self. Um, And that's the definition I use in my book. And it's one that I was inspired by an author, John J. Copland, who wrote the book Out Out of Shadows, Out of the Shadow, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, whose thoughts about dark paganism really inspired what became my book. Okay, okay. And so how c- can you elaborate more on how these practices are integrated with dark paganism for that that cultivating the self through wisdom and magic? Well, in my book, one thing, one of the key elements starts with self-knowledge. Uh, you know, know thyself is ancient 
pagan wisdom mm-hmm. goes back to the temple of Delphi. Right. Um, and this is where it really begins to know yourself. How can you cultivate something you don't even know? Hmm. And then you go to self-acceptance, which includes self-love, not to be confused with selfishness. Those are two hmm. different things. Okay. Um, and then it builds on that. Ultimate, also, part of self-acceptance is shadow work. That's uh-huh. both self-knowledge and self-acceptance. Because you're accepting your total self, warts and all. Mm-hmm. And shadow work helps you in that. So, and this so- builds. To be clear on that, so shadow work is um, the the things maybe that we think are wrong with our personality, right? Where where we feel we have uh, our Achilles heels or our sinful natures or that sort of thing, right? Well, Jung said that the shadow is always unconscious. You never know the shadow. So even if you say, hey, that's my Achilles heel, well, it's no longer shadow. Because now it's been made light. Okay, you've identified it. And that's what you do then? You're going into the darkness to identify it? There you go. Indeed. And that can come from meditation, Uh journaling. Um, Those are very useful for shadow work. Um, Analyzing yourself. You don't have to go to an analytical psychologist for shadow work. They, they're great, but uh-huh. you don't have to. Uh, and who of us has the resources and the time? To sure. Do so. But meditation, journaling. Why did I blow up at that person today? I, I wasn't angry, but why did I jump on that person? What was going on at that time? Ask yourself questions like that. And as you can explore, you can start reaching into those issues that you never really thought about. And by the way, not all shadow is wrong. Healthy behaviors get crushed down into the shadow sometimes. And How so? Can you give me an example? Well, let's say that? someone who um, sometimes, okay, fear of public speaking sometimes okay. is an example. They're fearful of public speaking, but they don't know why. And it might, in some cases, it's because of their upbringing. They had an experience as a child or a domineering parent. You know, don't speak unless spoken to. Okay. And so this healthy behavior, public speaking, being able to speak in crowds, what you and I do was public speaking. Some individuals cannot do that. Mm. Sometimes it's because of life experiences that they're unaware of and may have even forgotten. So that would be something in the shadow, the ability to speak in public, that could come out from shadow work, meditation, journaling. Um, If you're like me as a practicing pagan, there are rituals that can be performed that can help uh, spiritual powers you're very good with tarot Mm -hmm. you are a tarot specialist and by the way i love your programs uh thank you um the tarot can help and you could speak better about this than i 
the Tarot can help you along these lines to explore yourself. And uh, that's just one more tool that it sure. can help. Yeah, the, the psychologist Carl Jung used Tarot. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, can you talk about some of the key principles or beliefs in dark paganism? There's no universal aspect to that because dark paganism is a very personal system. So if you read my book, you're going to get what it means to me. You read the work of John Coughlin, Raven Digitalis, other dark pagan authors, you're going to get a different spin on this. Um, you asked about specific beliefs. But my viewpoint, um, meaning is something we give ourselves. It's not given to us by the universe. That's not to say there's not divinity in the universe mm -hmm. or spirits or gods, but meaning, meaningful in my life, is something I give myself on that. That is very personal meaning to uh, as part of dark paganism. It gives me responsibility for myself, but it also is freeing at the same time. Uh, I mentioned about self-love. That's a belief. We're social creatures. That's why it's not about selfishness. To, tru to truly understand yourself, you have to understand the self in relations to others. Okay. So there's so much more I could ramble on about. Yeah. No, I, I really resonate with a lot of this because, you know, when I'm reading the cards, uh, I, I've always been of the belief system that I, I don't have to follow a certain spread or uh, or sometimes a card has one meaning in all the books, but in that moment, to me, it's going to say something completely different because of just the way it's hitting me in the moment with this particular person in this particular context. So, you know, then I'm following my higher self and uh, what I would call my God self. And like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, you know, one of the most beautiful things I think is uh, belief systems are very similar across cultures, you know, different packages, different brands, but, uh, but the, how we do things is, mm -hmm. is the same. And uh, I can look at Native American practices, and I can look at South American shamans, and I can look at Celts, and I can look at Nordic traditions, and and Christianity and Judaism and Muslim. And mm -hmm. yeah, and it, it's so fascinating to me. And um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm sort of a, a culture junkie that way, I think. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about the word magic, and, and I like to always point out that we spell it M-A-G-I-C-K um, to differentiate from pulling the rabbit out of the hat and right. the tricks, right? Um, what is the role of magic in this spiritual path? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, because that is one of the nine dark pagan principles is magic. Um, magic invariably changes oneself when you practice magic. When I got started with magic years ago, I remember reading about that in a variety of works. And I went, isn't magic all about, you know, increasing your paycheck? You know, is mm -hmm. it, isn't it all about money and 
finding love and all that stuff. And yeah, it does have that part. But there's a feedback loop. You To do magic right, you invariably have to put some of you into that. We live in an interconnected cosmos. Okay. So I have to have a relationship. I connect with the cosmos and invariably it changes me. And over the years, I've learned that really out of all the magic I've done, I changed more than anything I changed in the world. Oh. Uh, so that's a great question. It is, I consider, an integral part to the point that I made it one of my nine dark pagan principles mm -hmm. um, in my book uh, because of the feedback, the changes it has to oneself. And so how, how could an individual incorporate magic in, in their daily life? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, one, there's different types of magic. There's magic where there's thurgy, where you work with a deity, god, goddess, spirit, ancestors. There's also thaumaturgy, which is the classic magic that we think of, casting spells and so forth. Uh, how do you make it incorporate into your daily life? Meditation is a good step. There are rituals you can perform to give yourself confidence in your daily life. Let's say when you go to work, rituals you can do to calm yourself down, talismans you can wear that can help give you confidence, help your health, increase your luck. Mm -hmm. um, it really magic if one makes it a lifestyle. Uh, the benefits are great. And I do think the benefits are more to the individual than the world around them. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, people don't realize you don't have to be trained in, in these exact spells with certain amounts of ingredients. And, and yeah, you know, I, I'm looking right in front of me on my desk. I have the Hawaiian goddess coup and um <laughs> yeah and I, and I have a kind of a personal story and and familiarity with that and, and you know and I've also got a picture of my oldest son when he was about two <laughs> that's great <laughs> and, and, and you know it's my way of staying connected with a visual kind of sure. it, it's a little altar of sorts under my monitor <laughs> I like that I like yeah. that a lot and um visual is a good point a ritual many ways has been referred to as, uh, I don't want to say psychopomp, that's something else, but uh, it's a tool, it's human nature to have something like that to spark, mm -hmm. to focus on. You know, TV shows, they'll have a magician, he just waves his hand and magic happens. And that's not reality. That's not how right. we are. Um, we're nudging the universe. You know, we're putting a little weight on that, you know, on the scale to kind of yeah. move things along. Probability enhancement is one yeah. of the definitions of magic. We're increasing the odds that something will happen 
that we want or not happen. Right. And, and so to get back to your book, um, mm-hmm. The Philosophy of Dark Paganism, you know, you really go into, you have some practical techniques and some exercises, right? And mm-hmm. and, and you, there's sort of a, a balance between the darkness and, and the well-being mm-hmm. that we have. Um, is there uh, any misconceptions or misunderstandings you'd like to address? Well, you brought up a very good one at the beginning, that the term dark. Mm. Uh, and we talked about the baggage behind sure. that evolutionary baggage that goes way back. Um, a lot of dark pagans like a dark aesthetic. Um, they have a reputation for gothiness. Yeah, you're, you're um, not dressed in black. No. <laughs> hey. You got your Hawaiian shirt there. <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm here in Texas, and, you know, we're already pushing 90. <laughs> so, you know, there's some, something to be impractical there. Um, but there's a – and that gets to a point. You don't have to go with the gothy darkness if you don't want to. Be authentic to yourself. Mm. Be authentic to yourself. And if your self is rainbows and unicorns and sunshine and, you know, a tie dye, go for it. You yeah. know, uh, don't follow the herd, even if the herd is a gothy, dark pagan herd. Uh, mm-hmm. That is another very important dark pagan value. Yeah, you know, the, I, you're just making me think of, I don't know how many times I've had a, a client who meets me for the first time and goes, oh, you're normal. <laughs> and they expect they're going to get the the gypsy, you know, dress and everything. Right. Yeah. Well, well, we, we do have to wind this up, but I just wanted to um, say that Llewellyn is giving one of our viewers or listeners a copy of your book. So I'm really excited to, to offer that. Um, Freighter, is there a way that uh, people could contact you if they wanted to reach out to you? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, of course, I have a, a variety of um, ways of doing so. I have, if they want to reach me by email, my email is freighterT at ftenebris.com. I also have a blog, darkfreighterblogspot.com. All right. Well, thank you for your time. It was really a joy. Uh, it I'm was joyful. enlightening in this <laughs> darkness. <laughs> that's, that's good. I like that. And thank you very much. And that was Freighter Tenebris talking about the philosophy of dark paganism. We'll be back with Tarot after a few messages. You're listening to Mystic Fix with Julia Gordon Bramer on News Talk STL. And welcome back to Mystic Fix. Let's read some tarot cards. Our spiritual journey tonight will begin. Can't outrun your fate. Let me tell you about you. I know who you are, what you are, and why you have come. Take a good look at these cards, young man. They contain all the secrets of the universe. What does it say? 
Hello, this is Julia from Mystic Fix. Is this Angela? Yes, it is. Hello. So do you have a question How for me? I do. Do I keep it to myself or do I? <laughs> um, please, please share it. Okay, I'm curious about what's going to happen in my future with my love life. Because okay. I kind of have a few things coming at me. Okay, so am I looking at just your love life in general, or do you want me to focus on one specific person? Um, There's actually two people. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe we'll keep it general then, because we, we have to, okay. we don't have a ton of time, but all right. Yes. Oh, and they're both showing up. <laughs> All right. Oh, great. Yeah, good. Um, good. I, I have I have a few comments, but but I'll I'll I'll, I'll get there. Yes, please give them. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So so we start with the Ace of Swords in reverse, which is a card okay. of of striking out of of a fresh start, but in reverse, which is upside down as it faces me. You're kind of like not yet. And it may be um, that you're not ready to commit. It may be that you're, um, you know, just saying I need a little time on my own or something like that. But there is a, a sort mm -hmm. of going there, slow, uh, which I yeah, think is there's good. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. that you're correct. There's a reason because mm -hmm. he's not here. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and so your next card is the Four of Cups in reverse. Now, both of these gentlemen... Ooh are about uh, uh, serving, service, like, what can I do for you? Can I impress you? Can I give to you? Uh, they both seem to be very into sort of catering. Now, um, it's funny, if you were to look at this card straight up, it's somebody sitting under a tree who is being offered love. It's a cup, and cups are love and emotion. But he's sort of looking the other way, like, mm. I'm picky, you know, not, not, That's not going to settle. That's the second one, right? Yeah. Well, well, this is, this yep. is just sort of your, your opinion here, uh, how, how you are oh, moving yeah, into this. Okay. I am so, very picky. So the first gentleman shows up and is the Knight of Swords. Now my, and, and I will, I will say they're both Knights. Uh, the other one is the Knight of Wands, which I will get to. Uh, but the Knight of Swords is um is driven is ambitious is a go-getter i could see him being uh, a little bit rushing a little bit forceful um both mm -hmm. of them both of them are right side up they're both positive uh but uh, okay. now now the problem with the knights is they're not kings um knights do tend right. to ride through our lives versus kings are more settled and they've accomplished things and they say, you know, I'm ready to settle down. I'm ready to have my kingdom, you know, and, and a companion is a part of that. Knights, uh, knights are a little more about the action and the excitement and the adventure of the love. So oh. just, to, just to give you a, a context, you know, I, I'm not sure that either one is I agree the perfect. With you. I yeah. agree with you a hundred percent. That's why I think I'm being picky. Right. And your top card, of course, is the Queen of Cups. Now she is the loving mother queen. And the Queen of Cups yeah. um on her throne, if you were to look very closely, she has babies actually on her throne. So she tends to be very much about children and family. Uh you may have children already. Uh, you may be just like I, you know, I gotta be 
um, mindful of this, or maybe you want children and so you are are um, just focusing on he has to be the exact right person. You know, you don't you don't just marry and have kids with Mr. Random. Yes. So well, I'm a mother, but also a mother of everyone in my life. Oh, me too. <laughs> so, that makes so much sense. So much sense. <laughs> so, so our next gentleman here, our Knight of Wands, he's the sexy knight. <laughs> uh-huh. yes, so he is. He's super fun. He's super cute. He tends to be our our playful one, and uh, you know they're they're going head to head here. Um, they're both in your life. They're both really great guys, but just the yeah, question is, are they forever? You know, are they Mr. Right now so. or, or are they Mr. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I don't, I don't waste my time on Mr. Right now. Uh-huh. So I kind of would rather date myself at that situation kind of. Yeah. So that's yeah. a good answer. I so, kind of agree with that. So your next card is the Knight of Cups in reverse, which is a rejection card. Now, let me see if I see you rejecting Ooh. one or both, and we'll try to figure out which one. So hold okay. on. Okay. All right. I think you're walking away from both of them, Angela. Um, I do, too. It, it looks to me you might have a little fun for a while. But we've got the Eight of Cups, which is about putting them in your past. It is rooted. Okay. It is rooted in the idea of an emperor. So, girlfriend, you yeah. want you want more than a king. You want I the, the top dog. <laughs> I've I've dealt with being the top dog my whole life, and I'm like somebody has to love me as much as I love them before I start. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with these guys, you know, you're just saying seven of cups in reverse, your dream is not coming true. And so the tower is in reverse. So you're just kind of cleaning house (laughs) and saying, nope. (laughs) I have been doing that for a while, I feel like. So, yes. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if anyone's going to come up ever that meets my specifications or if my love's like in my children is what I've kind of been thinking is like, is this just how it's going to (laughs) be? Well, here's here's the thing. On the course you're on now, your last card is the star in reverse. Now, this is a good card. The star is about your dreams coming true. In reverse, it's saying not yet. So okay. I, d- I don't think it's happening in this year. You know, understand there's only one emperor in the tarot deck. There's four kings, right. which is still not a lot, yeah. you know, but just one emperor. So um, that guy, that that perfect, powerful man that you're looking for um, is going to take a little longer to find. Uh, but I do yeah, be- I-, I do believe you can find him. You know, your energy is going okay. in the right direction. Um, okay. the, the sooner you move along when you realize, yeah, not my perfect one. You know, when we spend time with someone who's not our perfect person, it does keep us unavailable for the right man, yeah. you know? <laughs> so the good thing is they both don't live around me right now. So, okay, I'm so that not makes it easy. Much time at all. <laughs> yeah, that makes it so easy. It's helping me a lot. Good, good. So there you go. That's I'm glad perfect. I could read for you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's what I've been wanting to hear. So that's perfect. Great. If you're interested in what I do, you might want to hop over to Amazon and pre-order your copy of Tarot Life Lessons. Tarot Life Lessons are the real life stories of some of my clients and our adventures. 
The book will be released November 7th, but is available to pre-order now. Hey, East Coasters. On Saturday, July 29th, I will be at the Illuminate Festival in Ocean City, Maryland. I'll be reading tarot cards. I'll be talking about my books and would love to meet you there. Are you looking to deepen the trust in your relationship? Or maybe you're just looking to feel more physically and spiritually alive? Mystic Fix would not be possible without Kama Flight, which can help you do just that. Kama Flight is a mix of acro yoga and Thai massage. It combines both the meditative and the physical to create an experience like no other. See it for yourself on Instagram at K-A-M-A F-L-I-G-H-T. Thanks for staying with us till the end of Mystic Fix. Please like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you would like to be on the show to get your own tarot card reading or be registered for the book giveaways, visit mysticfix.com. Oh, oh, oh.